Hello and welcome to the Modern Fairy Sightings Podcast, where we listen to people's fairy encounters. But take heed, we're not talking about winged tinkerbells here. These are real fairies, real encounters that took people like you and I by surprise. Stay a while and hear their stories. My name is Joe Hickey Hall and I'm a folklore researcher. Dear listener, I hope you're well. The last couple of weeks has seen rather an explosion in listeners, which is marvellous, so a warm welcome to you if you've recently found us. These stories are here for people who need to hear them, and in these times it feels important to recognise just how little we know about this universe, because perhaps more than ever right now we need to reconnect with that which we've been systematically detached from over the centuries if we look back, our beliefs, our families, our communities, natural cycles, through mechanisms such as religious movements, colonialism and periods of transition such as industrialization and even the Age of Enlightenment. Some consider digitalization as a final move away from our fundamental human connection with the land, with each other and with our own bodies. It's time to remember what our ancestors knew. At our core, we too are beings of energy with an innate sense of what is true for us. Whether seen or unseen, we are all connected and the beings of the other world appear to be reaching out at this time to be acknowledged. And right now, this feels like a call to action. So reclaim the value of your personal experience and trust what you feel moved to do at this time. This episode is another delve into the original interview recordings that I made in early 2017 when the Modern Fairy Sightings Project first launched, after Mark Norman and I had researched to write the Devon chapter for Simon Young's book Magical Folk. At the time, we had left posters in Dartmoor, which encouraged people to get in touch with their real fairy sightings. I had a fairy phone, and one of the only calls we received was from a lovely lady who had lived in Devon for many years previously. She was visiting and now lived away. She told me about her family history with fairies and spoke openly about her understandings of the other world. Later on in the show, we'll look at some other reported fairy sightings on Dartmoor, which were featured in Janet Board's book, Fairies, Real Encounters with Little People. And in the bonus episode on Patreon, I will be reading an excerpt from 20th century scholar of British folklore, Theo Brown, about the folklore of Postbridge, a half an hour's drive from Bobby Tracy, where our guest had lived, and where she had seen a gnome in her garden. Theo's publication, Tales of a Dartmoor Village, was written in 1961 and talks about pixie belief in Postbridge at that time. It mentions a few stories of sightings in the area. Big welcome to all our lovely new patron members and the Curious Crew. It's really great to see you beginning to connect with each other in the private Facebook group and on Discord too. If you'd like to join us on Patreon, there's lots more bonus content and, as I say, this ever-blooming community with exclusive events. You can also support the show by subscribing, giving it a rating and sharing with one friend whom you think might need to hear these experiences. I hope you enjoy the episode and thanks also to our guest for giving her permission for our chat to be shared here. I had a lovely conversation with her recently over email and she sent me a copy of a book that she had written 
which is called A Romance of Two Worlds. It's by Susan Chittenden. It's a really beautiful book. It talks around her own personal experiences, particularly with angels. It's very poetically written. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this on the Patreon group. Thank you, Susan. of Dartmoor? Um, we've lived in Devon for about 25 years, yes. um, but now we're living near Salzburg in Austria. Oh, lovely. You're the first person besides my husband um, that knows this story. So um, my, I'm 67 years of age, mm. and I was born in Lincoln, the cathedral city of Lincoln in England. Yes. Um, I lived with, my mother was um, 16 and found she was expecting and she wasn't married. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was born, I lived with my grandmother at <laughs> Road, Lincoln. In 1996, when I was 48 years of age, um, I visited Lincoln. Uh, we were living in Devon at the time. And I, it was the first time I've been on my own. My husband couldn't come. And I visited my aunt, my Auntie Gertie, as mm-hmm. she's known. Mm-hmm. And um, I kept asking her about one of my other aunts. And she came out with this story. And this is the story. Yes. Um, my Auntie Gertie was in her 90s. And we were talking and I said to her, please tell me about my Aunt Belle. Aunt Belle... Um, was the sister of my great um, grandmother Mm -hmm. and she was a medium in Lincoln and she used to help the police with crimes Mm. they used to go to her Um, she used to see lots of things and she told my grandmother what she saw Mm. and my grandmother was disappointed because she did not have the gift of seeing and she said to her sister, I'd love to be able to see. Um, my Aunt Belle said, you're trying too hard. Just <laughs> relax because mm. um, they come when you're relaxed and not expecting things. Mm. So um, one day she was in the top bedroom of <laughs> Road Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And she was doing her cleaning. And she saw um, a circle of little fairies, mm-hmm. um, they were all holding hands, they were all dancing in a circle, and my great-grandmother felt a great joy mm-hmm. coming from these little fairies, and they look like, very much like the flower fairies. Have you come across yes, those? Yes, yes, I'm familiar okay. with those, yeah. Okay, that's what they looked like. Yeah. Um, she was so excited. The feeling she got was a great joy and happiness, and then they totally disappeared. Mm. So she went to my Aunt Belle, and my Aunt Belle said, they're, how did she put it, Um, and welcoming a little soul that's about to be born. Mm. 
Mm. That was her interpretation. Yes. And my grandmother said, well, that can't be because there's nobody expecting a baby. Mm-hmm. But unknown to them, my mother was 16 years of age. Mm. And she just found out she was expecting. She wasn't married. She wasn't very old. And she didn't dare tell anybody. Yes. And um, the child turned out to be myself. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I want to strip want to stress something here. Mm -hmm. They come to every soul that's being born. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just that we can't see them. Yes. So I'm not special. We're all special. So that must be really stressed. Mm -hmm. They come to every soul. Mm -hmm. Um, Why they come is it's to encourage the little one um, in the hope that they fulfill their destiny on earth. Yes. Because before we're born, we see a destiny. Yes. And we're very much taken off that route by wealth and all sorts of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so they hope that the little one will pursue their reason for being. Yes. Um, my Auntie Gertie told me this story. And why she hadn't told me before mm-hmm. was because in those days, if you dared mention anything like that, they took you to the mental asylum. Yes, yes, yes. Are you with me? Yes. Um, yeah. They were classed as mental. Mm. And um, so so I, I, she told me a story. Um, I told my husband and we went back and I said, Peter, you must hear this story from my auntie. Mm-hmm. And um, she wouldn't speak because she didn't want to witness. She's still frightened. Yes. That she could be taken away, if you can understand yes, that. Yes, yes, I can. Goodness me. So, from being um, a young girl, I actually see them. Um, yeah. I can't. I can't see them when I want. They come when they want. Yes. And one of the times they came was when um, I was going through a very bad patch, mm-hmm. and. Um, they turned up and they were doing um, little somersaults and jumping and doing all sorts of things to cheer me up. Yeah. Um, I've seen the I've seen a gnome who was mm-hmm. truly lovely. Um, he um, works in our gardens and helps nature grow, so we can appreciate nature. Mm-hmm. He was a hard working gnome, worked mm-hmm. with his hands. Mm. Um, so how, I see them not all the time. And how big? And um, how how big would you say? How tall would you say the gnome was? Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels: body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Um, The gnome would be about three feet three and a half foot yeah yeah that's the type that seems to be seen fairly I mean, you know what he looked like 
Um, yes, he had. He, he, funnily enough, um, he looks like some of the statues. He had a belt around um, mm. and uh, a hat that they normally that you normally yeah. see on the statues. But it was yeah. his hands that took my attention yes. because they were they were um, very big, labouring hands. Yes, worked in the card and and. Um, you know, to sort of help humanity when they're in nature. Yes. And uh, the, the, the time they come the most is when I'm praying. Mm. That's when they come the most. Mm. Mm. When I'm in my, I don't go to church, but mm. um, I do it in my home. Yes, yes. And have you noticed um, when the gnome arrived, first of all, was there a particular, was there anything in particular going on in your life at that time when he came into your life? Yes. Um, it was a traumatic time. Right. I, my husband and I have been together 52 years. Mm. Um, and we lived at Bobby Tracy on the edge of Dartmoor. Mm. And all my life I've never taken prescription drugs, paracetamol, only homeopathic and herbal mm. remedies. Mm -hmm. And um, for two, never saw a doctor. And for two years I became very ill. And I ended up sleeping on the kitchen floor for two years, not knowing what was going on. Mm, goodness me. I found out they'd put a mobile mast outside our home. Oh, gosh. And I react to, I can't have Wi-Fi in the home. Yeah. I can't have a deck phone. And um, um, a scientist came around, used his monitor, mm -hmm. and said the only safe place I would um, be was on the kitchen floor which oh, he didn't know goodness so right, I had so lots of um, symptoms and I had to leave our lovely home yeah. and I had to go um, into a caravan in the Teen Valley yeah. where I became totally well there because there was no mobile signal and that's where the gnome appeared we were at the riverside oh, on a okay. small um, caravan site at Trush there's only five caravans but we lived there for about 18 months, and yeah. that's when he came. Yes, yes. So he, he came into your life when, when you needed him. That's right, yeah. 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 Um, they love all humanity, mm. um, and, um, you know, they truly love us. I, I've got all the fairy plates, mm. um, things like that, and I have all the little beings in statues there, yeah. and I got a lot of the... Um, um, fairy statues from past times shop when they were open. Oh, yes. So my house was full of these fairies and even angels there. So. Yes, yes. I'm just thinking about also the smaller fairies that you say that you see quite often. Do you see them in Salzburg as well? And are they, if so, are they different looking to the British ones? Um, I haven't seen any... Um, it mm. at all there. Yeah, I've seen them mainly in Devon mm. is when I mm. first saw them. Yeah. Um, so I haven't seen any mm. at all there. Mm -hmm. um, um, the my one... life is very happy. So but when I say I haven't seen them, um, I see them on another level. Do you understand that? Yes. They're not physical. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I see them on another level, but I haven't seen them for a while. Yes, yeah. Just generally in public, if you tell somebody you've seen a fairy, 
you know, they, they, they think we're a bit mad. So, you know, there's still that taboo, even if even if you didn't think you would be put in an asylum, you you know, you might be ostracized by people or um, just people would just not understand. So I'm interested in that sort of taboo. Yes, I'll, I'll tell you something I didn't mention mm. is um, my husband and I live in Berchtesgaden, which is on the German-Austrian border. Mm. And um, I always go around um, when I register with the doctor, mm-hmm. um, I get the feel of them first and see, and they have to be a homeopathic doctor, yes. not just a medical doctor, otherwise I, d- I don't go to them. Yes. And um, last year, I um, went to see a homeopathic doctor, mm-hmm. and um, I'd never seen him before, and his... He asked me two questions before he even asked me what I'd gone for. Mm. And that was, he said, do you see fairies? Oh, my goodness. Right. And the second was, do you see angels? Mm. And I was so shocked because yeah. an English doctor would not. So I asked him what um, made him ask me. Yes. And he just said a feeling. So that would be an interesting little topic absolutely absolutely and i wonder if i wonder if he does and he got the sense that you did as well i asked him if he did and he said he didn't mm, which okay. was strange and i didn't yeah. know why he thought to ask that yeah. which was very and he's a lovely 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 person yeah that's um, a very lovely doctor i was really lucky to have found such a uh, a great person to, as, as a doctor as well because it's really hard to find somebody that you can trust like that um, one of the main things um, I have is I have a lot of um, people that have died come to me mm-hmm. um, and um, talk and um, I get a lot a lot of that and um, which is not scary mm-hmm. um, people I've known and things like of that nature as well so perhaps um, I've inherited a little bit, a very small amount of psychic things, but it's very small. Yeah, yeah. I think we're sort of open to, you know, when you're sensitive, um, you are just, it's almost like it's been described to me before as if, if there's those on the other side. Um, yeah. if, if you are sensitive, it's almost like you, you're almost like a telephone box, you know, in the midst of everything, they can see you so yeah. clearly and that you're so sensitive that they will communicate. What you, sorry, what got you interested in this yourself? I've always been interested in the other world um, as, a, as a child and I feel I, I had lots of experiences as a child um, sort of leaving my body and sort of going off on the astral plane a bit um, and sort of experiencing kind of being at the the tops of trees, you know, and this is when I would have been about three or four. The experience I had, I I never, ever thought I would see a fairy. And although I've been sort of going to groups and talking about, you know, learning healing and meditation and past life regression um, and all of these things um, since, you know, I was... uh, um, a, a teenager and into my early twenties. When this lady, because there's a lady called Kathy Shepherd who used to come to Jersey to do these groups and, and teach people healing, etc., and about all of this knowledge. Um, when she started talking about fairies, I immediately thought, oh, well, you know, surely, you know, fairies can't be real. Um, even though I'd had all of these other experiences, it just felt like 
I still couldn't figure out why she'd said that. Um, but years later, probably about 10 years later, because she was saying that she'd seen fairies and that lots of people that she knew had also seen fairies. Um, so yeah, about 10 years ago, uh, I was in a really beautiful location and, um, with my now husband, um, and, um, we were just watching the sun go down and, uh, I turned around, something made me look behind us and there was a small green man about sort of two and a half, three foot tall, um, just standing in front of a log and, and looking at me and, and we looked at each other, me and this little man, we just, uh, there was a, not, nothing was spoken, but there was a real sense that he wanted me to see him and he didn't smile, but it, it felt like there was a really nice connection there. Um, and then he disappeared. Um, and I told my, somebody that kind of, I felt knew about these things. Um, and he said, oh, unless you're not the only one to have seen him there. Um, so, and, and some years later I had confided in a friend what I'd seen and she didn't really believe me, but she was very sweet, but she said, oh, I'm sorry, but I just can't quite believe, you know, in fairies. But some years later when, because we're now living in Bristol, um, we moved here and this friend phoned me and said, oh, you'll never guess what I've, you know, got this other friend who has told me that she has seen the same thing in, in the same place or something very similar. So, um, so yes, I'm, I'm very interested in not only the phenomenon of, of seeing fairies, because there's so many people that do, but also the, you know, the, the taboo around it and that people are very, very reluctant to say that they have seen a fairy. Um, and I just, I find that I'm a social researcher as well as um, a historian. So I find that aspect very interesting and I feel like it needs to be, talked about more so that people don't feel afraid because there there are some important messages there for us and you know I, th I think it's a lot to do with the environment that we need to be protecting our environment more and coming back to our relationship with the landscape which living in cities is sometimes difficult to you know connect with the land landscape so I think that it's important for me to, um, to to do this this work and um, make it easier for people to talk about their experiences and um, and you know yeah just get it out there really. So that's that's the idea behind this. Um, well, I think that's a lovely um, lovely and important thing you're doing, Joe, because um, one of the things that humanity's lost. Are there childlike qualities? You're absolutely right. And the fairies and the gnomes, and the, what I call the little people, yeah. are trying to um, remove the the part that's not us and get us back to our childlike qualities. Yeah, yeah. And as, as and um, yeah, I think that's really important. Have you come across a man called George Trevelyan? The name and, is really um, he used familiar. to come and stay with us, and we, uh, I used to organise talks, and he came with Matthew Manning, the healer, and and um, I also had other speakers come to do with healing and lots of other things there. Yes, they they spoke about this as well. So right, and had they? Off. Yeah, had had they seen fairies too? Um, George hadn't, but he knew mm. they existed. Yes. And um, one of the things I did was, um, you've heard of the Cottingley fairies? Yes. 
um, I went there and spoke to the gentleman that lived next door to the children there, where mm. Arthur Conan Doyle went. Yes. And um, he told me that the children would never lie. They were very, very truthful children. Mm. He knew them as children and um, was very interested in what he said about them. Yeah, because I'm just reading, I don't know if you've read um, Marjorie T. Johnson's book, Seeing Fairies. Um, and she talks, she talks a little about that in, in the book. Um, but it's a brilliant book and I would urge you to, to get it because it is just full of accounts from the early 19th, 19th, sorry, early 20th century, right through to sort of probably sort of the 50s and 60s. Um, and it's all, it's people's descriptions of what they've seen. And there's some absolutely fantastic stories in there of, of, you know, that people had written to Marjorie Johnson. Um, I think she put a call out in some newspapers and asked people to write in with their experiences. And it's really, really worth reading, particularly when you and I, you've had your own experience. Um, so you can sort of see the similarities in the stories. So it's Marjorie T. Johnson, and it's called yeah. Seeing Fairies. Seeing Fairies. I've, yeah, I've it's really great. Yeah. I think it's lovely that um, we've got these stories from everybody because that's what our children need. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, we're living in very um, interesting times. And yes. um, I think, our, well, not just children, I think even adults yeah. need uh, this information. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, they have a lot of love to give us and um, uh, one, uh, a good thing that is really beneficial is sending our love mm. um, out to them and they it's a lovely thing. Yes. Um, the more you send love to them, they appreciate it and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right, well, okay. it's been very nice speaking yeah, with you, Joe. Yeah, you too. I think you're doing a very lovely thing, Joe. It, um, it's lovely what you're trying to do there. Thank you very much. And um, I really wish you well. Well, yeah, thank you for giving us your lovely experience as well, and that's really precious. So, yeah, okay. all the best to you. Thanks, then. God bless. Bye-bye. hope you enjoyed my chat with Susan and it gives you a little insight into how these initial conversations went. It was really the beginning of seeing how this project would work. I was very much led by my own interest and personal experiences with this kind of phenomena and it was so helpful to share my experiences with other folks and hear how it was for them. Our guest mentioned the Cottingley Fairies incident. She said she had known their neighbour who knew the children and expressed his assurance that the children were trustworthy. As we all know, the two girls, Elsie and Frances, finally confessed in the 1980s that the photos had been faked and that they had created them with cutouts from their copy of Princess Mary's gift book. Despite this fact, I felt it was of interest to hear that the neighbour had wanted to vouch for the girls' honesty. There's any number of ways in which we can perceive his testament, but I made sense of it in the following two ways. 
on the one hand, it's a good example of a situation where someone had difficulty in accepting that these two young girls had pulled the wool over the eyes of the public over a long period of time. This man knew the girls and must have felt upset by the revelations, or he would not have felt moved to protest their innocence in the matter, and he may well have had his own beliefs. The other thing that occurred to me was that despite knowing the girls had faked these photos, there was something about the situation that he perceived to be true. Something that, as a close bystander, he was party to, that us as outsiders have no opportunity to gauge. This is why I left the piece, the conversation, intact. There are no two ways about it, the photos were faked and we know that. However, Francis in particular believed in fairies and both girls maintained to the end that the fifth photo was real, though it doesn't appear to be. We will never know if in creating the hoax they had tried to recreate something that they had experienced. We do know that fairies are real as many of us have encountered them firsthand. We will never know if either of these two girls ever had a real experience. Susan is clearly a very sensitive lady to perceiving these otherworldly beings as well as sensitive to some aspects of this modern world. I'm glad that she was able to recover from her illness. I'm interested in the fact that her body knew what was best for her and she was able to trust that instinct. And of course, it seems as if she had come from a line of psychics in her family. And this is what I I find again and again is like this. It, it really does run in the family. It's not to say that people that don't have it running in the family can't have these connections. But certainly when people have had encounters going back through the generations, it, it there's something about that. It really does pass down. It's very poignant that at the time when they were living in the caravan, arguably a liminal time for her between homes, was when she had the encounter with the gnome. The fact that she only saw gnomes in Devon and not the other places she'd been living in is also interesting. The southwest has always been something of a hot spot for sightings. Let's hope she reconnects with beings that are local to her where she now lives. I'm going to read you some excerpts here from Janet Board's Fairies real encounters with little people that reflect some of the encounters that our guests spoke about. I would also like to thank Janet Board who I contacted to ask whether it was okay to read from her book and she gave me permission to do that so thank you Janet. Though I am a grown woman with three sons I still firmly believe in pixies and in fairies. When a child of seven, I saw a pixie, and in recent years I have been pixie-led on Dartmoor. I saw the pixie under an overhanging boulder closer to Shore Bridge on the southern edge of Dartmoor in the afternoon. I cannot say more definitely as to the time, but I remember running in to my mother after an afternoon walk and saying I'd seen a pixie and being laughed at. This was in 1897. It was like a little wizened man, about, as far as I can remember, 18 inches or possibly two feet high, but I inclined to the lesser height. It had a little pointed hat, slightly curved to the front, a doublet, and little short knicker things. My impression is of some contrasting colours, but I can't remember what colours, though I think they were blue and red. Its face was brown and wrinkled and wizened. I saw it for a moment, 
and it vanished. It was under the boulder when I looked, and then it vanished. In June 1952, Mrs. C. Woods saw a little old man, three or four feet tall, on Dartmoor, Devon. He wore a brown smock tied around the waist with a cord. His legs were covered in a brown material and he wore a brown flat cap or had brown hair. Mrs. Woods was walking on Haytor with her son on a hot summer's day and she went off alone climbing up the stony path where she saw a little man who seemed to be watching her. When she was 40 yards away he turned and went behind a boulder she fetched her son and together they went to look for the man, but they found nothing. No little man, no hole, nowhere he could have hidden. That first one was given in 1928 by Mrs. G. M. Herbert, describing how as a seven-year-old she had seen a pixie on Dartmoor in Devon. And that was in the Transactions of the Devonshire Association, Volume 60, quoted in J.R.W. Coxhead, Devon Traditions and Fairy Tales, from the Raleigh Press, Exmouth, 1959. And the second there was from Dermot McManus's The Middle Kingdom. And this is a little excerpt about gnomes in the garden. This was originally from an article on fairies by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, writer of Sherlock Holmes, who in the 1920s was intrigued by fairy lore. So he, along with fellow enthusiast Edward L. Gardner, were taking an interest, as we know, in the Cottingley fairy photos. On the back of this, some people that were following Gardner's work at the time sent him details of their own fairy sightings, and this is one of them about gnomes. This is from Mrs. Rose of Southend-on-Sea. I think I have always seen fairies. I see them constantly here in the shrubbery by the sea. They congregate under the trees and float around about the trees, and gnomes come around to protect them. The gnomes are like little old men, with little green caps, and their clothes are generally neutral green. The fairies themselves are in light draperies. I have also seen them in the conservatory of my house, floating about among the flowers and plants. The fairies appear to be perpetually playing, except when they go to rest on the turf or in a tree, and I once saw a group of gnomes standing on each other's shoulders like gymnasts on the stage. They seem to be living as much as I am. It is not imagination. I have seen the gnomes arranging a sort of moss bed for the fairies, just like a mother bird putting her chicks to bed. I don't hear any sounds from the gnomes or fairies, but they always look happy, as if they were having a real good time. I just adore that visual <laughs> image of the gnomes, you know, creating a little bed for the fairies and tucking them into bed. It's a, a great little story. And here is one that is about fairies in the garden and a gnome. This is from a letter in True Mystic Experiences in Fate magazine, 1977. Cynthia Montefiore of Somerset wrote, I was in the garden with my mother at her home when this occurred. Mother wanted to show me the correct way to take cuttings from rose trees. 
She stood behind the finest rose tree we had with a pair of scissors in her hand, while I stood in front of it. Thus we faced one another with the rose tree between us. Suddenly Mother put a finger to her lips to indicate silence and then pointed to one of the blooms. With astonishment I saw what she was seeing. A little figure about six inches high, in the perfect shape of a woman, and with brilliantly coloured diaphanous wings resembling those of a dragonfly. The figure held a little wand and was pointing it at the heart of the rose. At the tip of the wand there was a little light, like a star. The figure's limbs were very pale pink and visible through her clothes. She had long silvery hair which resembled an aura. She hovered near the rose for at least two minutes, her wings vibrating rapidly like those of a hummingbird. And then she disappeared. You saw that, didn't you? asked my mother. I nodded, and we both went back to the house astonished and enriched by our mutual experience and having forgotten entirely our rose cutting. Perhaps the most surprising aspect of the experience was the way in which the little creature we both saw corresponded in practically every detail to the archetypal fairy of folklore and nursery stories. I know now that these descriptions are firmly founded on reality. This was proved to me once again by a second experience I had when I was alone in the same garden. I was sitting reading under a tree when my eye was caught by a sudden movement in front of me. A little figure about 18 inches tall ran from the lawn on my left across the path and onto another lawn, finally disappearing under a young fir tree. The sturdily built figure seemed to be dressed in a brown one-piece suit. I was not able to see the face because it was turned away from me. I immediately jumped up to investigate the area and around the fir tree, but there was no longer any sign of this gnome. Not long after this episode, a man friend of the family, who was obliging my mother by digging in the vegetable garden, saw the self-same gnome and described it to me. These are all from Fairies, Real Encounters with Little People by Janet Board. This was published in 1997 by Michael O'Mara Books. I hope you enjoyed that little insight into Devon gnomes and gnomes in gardens in general. Thanks very much, as I say, to Janet Board for allowing me to read from her brilliant book, which is one of the first ones I bought when I started my master's study. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely, lovely book that I read again and again. So to return to our guest's experience, her offering that she also gets messages from those who've crossed over to the other side puts me in mind of the people described by Reverend Robert Kirk back in the late 17th century, who were able to see fairies and also perceived departed ones. We've always done this. It's not unusual. The only thing unusual is that we've turned our back and othered these natural abilities. How different would the world look if we recognise we are part of all creation, as are these fairy beings, creatures and those who've passed over? There are depths to realities that we don't yet fully appreciate. The physical realm is not the only reality. There are other layers that we're fast becoming sensitive to. This is, I feel, what will turn this ship around from the precipice we're heading towards. Time to become, as Susan and our great spiritual teachers have said, like children again. Recapture the wonder of this world and our sense of belonging. 
held by nature and with a duty to protect this place we call home and the unseen beings that share these layers of existence alongside us. Thank you for listening to the end. Join us at Patreon if you can support. Community is everything right now as we take these important steps forward. So, do what you really want to do, don't do what you really don't want to do, trust your trip, and always remain curious.